Welcome into another edition of the Loud Outs Podcast. CJ Nikowski and Ryan Spielborgs. Lots to get to. Once again, we are recording on Thursday, May 25th uh, in the late morning, and uh, we're nearly uh, two months into the season. And there's some things I think that are worth uh, looking at. A couple of big picture items. We'll also uh, get into some more news regarding the Oakland A's. We'll do that uh, on the back end of this a little bit. And they're moved to Las Vegas looking more and more uh, likely. But something that jumped out to me a little bit, Spilly, I, you know, the playoff odds are fun to look at. Uh, I like doing it, and I like looking at whether we're looking at a week change, a month change, and how things are going. There is an absolute competition, and a good one, for most disappointing team in 2023. I mean, some really good teams on paper uh, that are fighting, and I guess it's you know a couple of different ways you can look at it, like most disappointing because their record is so horrific, or in the case of one team that I want to talk about in New York, the fact that they're just not dominating. They're doing okay. They're keeping their head above water, but they're not performing at nearly the level uh, that they should be and there's listen there's a couple of teams we can talk about uh the Padres certainly the White Sox the St. Louis Cardinals but the team that I want to focus on right now is the New York Mets the New York Mets have lost a couple after going on a little bit of a winning streak and having an issue with the Chicago Cubs I don't know if you saw highlights or not for Marcus Stroman's start against the Mets you know he was loving absolutely every bit of that a team that he felt uh did not want him uh he had some pointed words on the way out uh, he obviously upset about it, but pretty happy right now in Chicago and, and payback's always fun, right? If you feel like uh, you kind of been spurned by a team uh, and then you go and you beat that team, especially one that is kind of uh, below average by their standards right now, that had to be fun for him. But um, let's focus on the New York Mets here a little bit, Spilly. And I sent it to you, the playoff odds uh, and the ability to win the division right now, according to the odds makers is absolutely fascinating. What we've seen, not just here recently, but over the last month with the very disappointing New York Mets. So they have a 0.7% chance to win the division. The New York Mets. Isn't that crazy? And and like in the case of Atlanta, like I think Atlanta is the best team in the National League. Uh, I mean, just the overall talent, the fact that they've been able to overcome injuries, uh, Soroka is pitching in the minor leagues again. So that's good news. Even without uh, Max Freed, I, I don't think Max Freed is going to miss the whole season. Uh, we spent some time with Brian Snicker. He told us that, you know, he's, he can't get Max back soon enough, but he's starting to play catch. Bryce Elder has been good. Uh, Spencer Strider has almost a hundred strikeouts in 50 innings. I mean, he's just carving people up. And so when, I, when I think of Atlanta, I'm like, okay, so who can, who can beat Atlanta and what do you have to do? Well, offensively, you're going to have to match up. You're going to have to play quality defense. You're going to have to pitch well. Uh, that's how you beat them in a series. And those are all three things that I don't know if the Mets can do consistently. Mm. So when I see a 0.7% chance to win the division, uh, you know, we saw those numbers for Atlanta last year in the reverse. When it was August, the Mets had a pretty commanding lead in the division. And then you just watched it slowly fall apart. And probably the biggest disappointing series of uh for the Mets a year ago was when the Mets got swept by the Chicago Cubs in New York and that really took away their mojo that lost I mean that was that was a series they had to win a game and they win the division Mm. and so Atlanta's been empowered because they've won the division five straight times they know the Mets couldn't finish the deal and now this year with the Mets kind of reeling I feel like Atlanta's again in power. They're like the same old guy, same old group of guys. They've spent a lot of money on older players. Like, so what? Who cares? You know, I feel comfortable facing Verlander and Scherzer. They're old, you know, back into the bullpen. We can get to them. 
Uh, the position players inconsistent, you know, maybe some of the young guys, I like them, but who cares? You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. there's a, there's a confidence that Atlanta has. And so, you know, normally I would look at a Mets roster and I'd see this 0.7% for it to win the division. I go, that's kind of, that's way too low. And I know this doesn't take credit for, you know, the, the, the clubhouse dynamics, but CJ, I don't think this is wrong. Yeah. You know, less than a 1% chance for the Mets to win the division. And in the last 30 days, according to the baseball reference playoff probability, a drop of 55.7% chance. Um, you know, there's still a 40% ish uh, to win a, to, to make it to the postseason. Mm-hmm. But that's crazy. It's super crazy. And it's shocking because, of course, the payroll and what they put together uh, this year had us believing that they were going to get this thing worked out. There had been some um, kind of rumblings about what they were going to do with the younger players. And, and recently this week about Francisco Alvarez and people wondering if he was going to get sent down. He is not going to get sent down. He's doing too well. Hit a big home run uh, in Chicago this week into the wind, which was really impressive. I think it's that's part of it that also makes this thing so surprising that somehow they put themselves in a position where uh, they are counting on and relying on some younger, more, more inexperienced players. You and I have gotten into that um, in the past, but they're in, they're in trouble. I mean, there's no two ways about it. They are currently a 500 team at the time that we have taped this podcast at 25 and 25. I like this thing that they do on the baseball reference playoff odds on the 90% confidence, their mm-hmm. best case scenario with 90% confidence is that the Mets will win 89 games this year. After they went over hundred last year, you mentioned how things kind of played out between them and the Atlanta Braves, the Braves on that side. Uh, best case scenario, uh, 108 wins. Uh, worst case scenario, by the by the way, for the Mets, uh, 20 games under at 71 and 91. I don't think that's going to happen. I can't imagine they play 20 games under the rest oh. of the way as they sit here at 500. However, um, mid-80s is feeling like if something doesn't change dramatically and they don't start dominating, and I don't really have a lot of reason to believe that that's going to happen based on kind of what's going on with some of the starting pitching along with other things, um, they may have a hard time winning more than 85 games this year, which would be a monster disappointment. I, I think even in that case, as, as I'm considering all the different teams that are out there, St. Louis would be a disappointment. San Diego would be a, a massive disappointment. Milwaukee, especially given the start that Milwaukee had disappointment. And you start going through those teams, right? The Mets could be 20 games below 500. Milwaukee could be 77 and 85 in their worst case scenario. The Cardinals could be 75 and 87 worst case scenario. The Cubs could be 20 mm. games below. The Padres could be 22 games below worst <laughs> case scenario. Like, is it, doesn't that like, yeah. doesn't that freak you out? The, the fact that we could even, you know, the, the diamondbacks uh, have a chance to be somewhere like 13, 14 games below 500 mm. as their worst case scenario. So these teams that we, we, currently we see as as possible playoff caliber teams on the reverse they could just be dumpster fires and it's like a whole bunch of them it's not just one Mm -hmm. any one of these teams and and you can see it too right you could you could see the potential of the Padres completely imploding you could see the potential of the Phillies imploding the Mets imploding uh the Cardinals imploding like you can virtually see these scenarios because we've witnessed bad play from every single one of these groups. Mm. We've seen bad play from every one of these groups where we haven't seen consistent bad play from our two teams. 
the Atlanta Braves in the National League and the LA Dodgers. That, yeah. That's it. Those are the those are the most consistent teams in the National League so far in 2023, where we haven't seen a six, a seven, an eight game, a 10 game span, and even maybe a three week span of just like, what the heck is that? Mm. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. And the Dodgers are kind of just, you know, it's like uh, slowly, like they're doing this to us, right? We saw them get off to a little bit of slow start. We start to kind of say, oh, well, you know what? This is the year. They didn't add. Maybe they're going to take the year off, let some younger guys play. They didn't go get a shortstop, et cetera, et cetera. And yet here they are now just kind of steady eddies. And by the way, when I, when I see like the, the worst case scenario of the Mets being 71 and 91, I, I feel like uh, those, you know, it has that same feeling to me for the people that tell us like the world's going to end in five years. Um, I just, it's, I'm having a hard time uh, wrapping my brain around that one. By the way, the, the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers taking two or three of those first three games that they had against the uh, Atlanta Braves in Atlanta, uh, been a pretty good series, some good things happening there. Another team I want to get into uh, regarding playoff odds. This one kind of hurt a little bit, Billy. It was personal. I took it personal. Uh, and I will say this, when it comes to the playoff odds, I get it. There's zero emotion involved when they put these things together. However, uh, the Texas Rangers currently have a three-game lead in the American League West. And baseball reference, how dare they? Giving the Rangers just a 22% chance to win the division. The Astros at 70%, far and away, heavy favorites over the last four or so months of the season to take the division in the American League West. This one stung a little bit, Spilly. I know the Rangers have some bullpen issues they want to get through, but I'm looking at the Astros and the struggles of Jose Abreu. What's going on in the rotation? 70%? I'm going to have to talk to Sean Foreman. Not happy about this one. Uh, it's hard to discredit it, though. You, I mean, that's... Oh! That's the, I, like, I, I just watched the Texas Rangers obliterate i like the word obliterate i Mm. I said it was like the death star the rockies came into texas they were feeling good about themselves they'd won some series and then they what was the final tally was like 30 runs scored in comparison to like six i think we would have saw two position players pitch except that the rockies made a mistake in game two of scoring like one run at one point and put them over they were at that point they were only trailing by seven and so they couldn't go to a position player Um, but we did see one position player pitch Okay. I think we would have saw two. That's that's how the series went, but the offense right. is there. But I, 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 oh, I yeah. want to hear your take on it. Why why seventy percent chance to win the division for the Astros and only twenty two uh, for the Rangers exists right now on Baseball Reference. Uh, my guess is strike the schedule for Texas. It's also going to come down to you know do, do you have faith in uh, the Rangers being able to hold up with their bullpen uh, defensively? They've been okay. Uh, in Texas's standpoint, I mean, it's it's a good defense. It's not hmm. the top defense. I think at the Astros, you also have the benefit of Jordan, and now Altuve's back, and you start seeing the um, the bullpen for Houston Astros. I, I would I would argue, you know, it's it's funny when you start to compartmentalize parts of teams, and you know, putting up the Rangers bullpen in comparison to the Astros bullpen. Hmm. It do doesn't that. feel it doesn't. Well, <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't feel that close. And then you start to rank. OK, well, like just how good is the Astros bullpen? And man, you start, you know, thinking of. Of. Abreu, Brian Abreu and Ryan Presley, and Phil Maton, who's been really hard to score on uh, Hector Neris. And you start just going, you're like, dang, man. The Astros might have the best bullpen, or at least certainly part of the argument. I mean, uh, you know, you can 
you'll think of Tampa, but Tampa has been hurt. Fairbank got hurt. And then, you know, he lost to Pete Alonso. He was the lesser of the Pete's. That was great. Um, so I he looked good last night though. He looks like he's back, but yeah, you're okay. right. They got to work. They got, they got bigger. They got some issues there. They got to work through. That's fair. I, I, I have a tough time trying to figure out who has a better bullpen than the Astros. So, I mean, like that's yeah. offensively, I feel like Texas has the edge at this yeah. moment. They've been a chainsaw. Starting pitching's been really good for the Rangers, and they don't have Degrom back. Yeah. So I, but it's to me, it's the back end of the bullpen is the separator. And so, mm. can that's you fair. win a division based on a bullpen? Yeah, I think that's part of of the narrative here uh, with the computers because they're all going to take over the world. Yeah, I've always believed that you could slug your way to a title if the a, a division title if the division is light. Right. If the division is deep, it becomes a little bit more harder to rely just on that. Now, you mentioned starting pitching top four in the league, but the bullpen is the issue. The Astros right now, just strictly based on the area are fourth in baseball, the Yankees, Orioles and Mariners are just ahead of them. Uh, the Mariners run incredibly deep. It's kind of amazing to see that part. This is where you're right. I mean, it is the Achilles heel right now. It's no secret uh, in Texas, 25th in ERA, for a little over four and a half right now for that bullpen. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, the, they didn't add big. They added Will Smith, ended up being a, a really big ad. But in the sense of finances, they did not add big. They didn't sign him till March 4th, and they did it for about a million and a half. And that is the paying dividends and then some. Uh, the issue they're running into right now, Jose Leclerc, Jonathan Hernandez are searching for it. Those are two big right-handed arms that were very good for them last year and have been in the past before they had gotten hurt. And they're just they're just lost right now and working on it and hopefully got to get them back. Brock Burke isn't quite the same. He was extremely dominant last year. He led all relievers in innings pitch last year. You know, is that catching up with him a little bit? The swing and misses in as high as it once was. They like Josh Spores' arm, but he's going to have to find some consistency. We know the command can get away from him. Um, once in a while, Cole Reagan's has been good. The crazy thing, or good at times, big arm, but not consistent enough probably. The crazy thing about this is, and I never thought I'd be saying this, they need Jacob DeGrom back, not because they need him in the rotation. Dane Dunning's been great. They need Dane Dunning back in the bullpen, and that's kind yeah. of what becomes really important. Okay. Now, he's going to be the swing guy. Listen, I, I don't think any of us believe that Andrew Heaney, John Gray, Nate Valdi are all making 32 starts this year, right? That's asking a lot. Even Martin Perez, he made 32 last year. Every time a guy goes down or needs a breather, and hopefully it's going to be scattered throughout the year, Dane Dunning's going to be the guy that slides in and gets that opportunity. He's filled in for Jacob DeGrom wonderfully. There hasn't, I'm not say there hasn't been a loss there because there's something about the intimidation factor and the high strikeout rate that you get from DeGrom. Uh, but actually getting him back in the bullpen, um, as crazy as that may sound, is really important until they can figure out what moves they might be able to make as we get a little bit closer uh, to deadline time. It's too difficult right now. The other problem is they have really good pieces, but asking price are going to be high. And how much do you really want to give up to get relievers? That's going to be a battle for them um, down the stretch. But based on how good their starting pitching has been, how good their offense has been, it's been surprising um, to see to see that this morning when I saw just 22% chance of winning the division, uh, according to baseball reference. I like their stuff there. But yeah, the, the bullpen is no doubt the Achilles heel. It's been a disappointment, um, but they got a chance at least from within, hopefully, to get better. Yeah, they finished out a series Kelly, in Pittsburgh. You think, yeah, that's the for Joe Kelly. That's the guy that I, I... I mean, I got two guys for you. I, I mean, like I've already, I've already picked a cr apart the Chicago White Sox roster. Uh, I am, I am like at the dinner table, ready to eat. Like it's Thanksgiving. Uh, I would love a piece of Joe Kelly. Uh, I think Liam Hendricks would be, would be really cool. But in, in the case of Liam, 
you know, I'd like him to get back to health. I'm, I'm all over Joe Kelly, uh, Ronaldo Lopez. If you've checked out his numbers and his stuff, he's throwing a hundred miles an hour with a nasty little change up off of it. And he's a free agent after this year. So, uh, those two guys, I, I mean, like, I feel like the Rangers went and, and attacked him early said, Hey, we got this for those two guys because both Kelly and, and Lopez are, um, they're both free agents at the mm-hmm. end of the year. So it's, it shouldn't cost you your top prospect that uh, you should be in a really good place. And like, those guys are going to be difference makers that, that just shortens, shortens a game up for um, Bruce Bochy. And you know, this Bochy's a master of using the bullpen, the more yeah. arms you give them, the better off you are. I mean, this is no doubt a test for him and trying to figure this thing out right now based on the current state. But again, arms with some track records there, at least within, that hopefully can get it on track. And uh, like I said, three-game lead right now in the American League West. They start a series with the Baltimore Orioles and then go to uh, Detroit for three against the Tigers. And you'll have the pleasure, Spilly, if you want to tune in listen to me doing play-by-play uh, for that series and just go ahead and that'll be your ears bleeding for three days. All right. Um, I want to ask you about this. Offense around the league. So we're a couple months into the season right now. I sent you some numbers and what we're seeing here so far. They are up. Uh, they're up on ground balls. I'm interested in in ground ball numbers based on uh, shifts so far. And so let's start there first. Uh, on ground ball batting averages uh, right now, last year we saw, and this is for the first three months of the season, we saw the league hit 237. They're up to 245. I don't know if that matters to you at all, uh, but the idea of a, you know, we're looking at what an 8% jump right now on ground ball batting average in baseball. I just wonder again how much that changes maybe the approach. Uh, for certain hitters, we know we're getting in the ball in the air as much as we have been and talk about it. How about for lefties, though? The le- the lefty numbers have jumped considerably. 16-point increase in batting average on ground balls right now for left-handed hitters compared to where we were um, a year ago. I think no doubt the shift uh, has created – the lack of shift has created more hits, but I don't know if I was expecting that big of a jump, nearly 20 points um, for lefties right now, Spilly. They're hitting 234 on ground balls. Ground balls is not where you go to get hits, but a year ago it was 218. Uh, we're watching a lot of games. You're seeing a bunch of different teams. Um, what do you think about some of these early returns on banning of the shift, pitchers working quicker, and offensive numbers uh, at least better? They're not blowing it out of the water necessarily, but better than we have seen uh, in the previous couple of seasons. Uh, I think it's important that the game has done this. I, I, I Originally, I, I wasn't a big fan of of preventing shifts just because I felt like if if I wanted to put nine people at second base, I could do that. Or eight people at second base. I need somebody um, to pitch actually seven people at second base. Cause I need somebody to pitch and catch. I could do that. I, I should be allowed to set up my defense any way I want. Mm. But now that I've witnessed and, and the numbers are the numbers. That's, that's the one thing about baseball that you cannot discredit is when you do have a sample size large enough that shows when I make contact, 100 batted balls in play, 50 batted balls in play, 100 at bats, whatever. That's a pretty good sample size. Three at bats, no, you don't. You have no idea what I do. Uh, 100 bats, 500 at bats, a career, and you can see where a guy, if he hits the ball on the ground, this is where he traditionally hits it at 80. percent Why would you not put a, a player there? Uh, if you know he hits the ball here and here, why wouldn't you put players there? So, not having the shift. And for hitters that I've talked to, because guys, especially left-handed hitters, they, they were saying they were trying to hit the ball over the shift. And that's, mm. 
like it's crazy to think to try to be so fine as a hitter that you can you can manipulate the ball just right to hit it over the infield when you're dealing with a two one slider, a two one changeup, a fastball up and in, fastball down away, and I'm still trying to like what the heck are we talking about? So I've heard from numerous guys that are lefties that they are now just back to not even focusing about trying to hit the ball over the shift. They just get to hit, see it, hit it, see it, hit it. If, if my swing naturally, I get a ball in and I pull it. That's a ground ball through the four hole. Like I did when I was a kid in little league, if I get the ball down and away and I shoot it and I go up the middle over towards the, the five and a half hole towards the shortstop, that's a hit. And so now the confidence for a, for a hitter, not trying to elevate, not trying to change their bat path, just to hit the baseball, ground balls are turning into hits. Yeah. And like the, the true hitters are coming back because it became almost a guessing game. Well, which, which pitch can I hit over the infield? You know, like a, a lot of it, my complaints about hitters right now is that I feel like too many guys are, are guessing. And the more I've asked about, I was like, well, why do you guess? Well, it's so I can elevate. Like you're, you're not, you're not guessing to hit a ground ball. You're guessing to drive the ball in the air. Mm. That's why guys guess. It's not just the timing. Of, like I'm looking for a two Oh slider. Why are you looking for a two Oh slider? Cause I'm trying to elevate. That's crazy to me that that would even be a thing. I mean, unless you got a guy that's throwing 60% sliders, I guess. And you're thinking you might get to get me over. But the idea that you'd be sitting 2-0 slider when you can speak to something like that, obviously better than I can. And and I got it. Listen, there's a runner in scoring position, and you're just going to, again, throw that get me over. I guess that's one thing. But to sit on it and then potentially get beat by a, an average fastball, that does not seem like a great approach. But I'll, I'll trust you more than me. Yeah, well, that's why hitters are hitting what they hit. Yeah. Uh, a lot of guys are guessing because they, they have the information that says, you know, 70% of the time this guy throws sliders. They're like, oh, okay, 70% of the time, here comes a slider. The scoreboard's five to one. There's nobody on base. He's going to throw you a fastball. Yeah. It's like, come on, man. Like, that's that's the issue that we have with, with a lot of this information is that paralysis by analysis is a real thing. Hmm. Yeah, I, and uh, it seems like that's the case, but at least we're getting some uh, positive returns. Not that we weren't anticipating them. I think you asked me on radio, like at the beginning, and it's something like middle of the offseason, once the rules were in place, I said, I think we'll see like a 12-point increase on batting average, and you thought I was crazy, and it's probably right. I think I am crazy to think that we'll see that kind of number, um, but the numbers have been positive. When you look at, I'm looking at March, April, May, and I get it, we didn't have a March last year, but around this same time through the first couple of months, uh, we saw the league hit 240 last year with an OPS under 700. They're currently hitting 247 with an OPS at 727. And so a 31-point increase on OPS, that might have something to do also uh, with pitchers having to work a little bit quicker. We've seen some fatigue, maybe making more mistakes uh, has been to trend as well. Let's move on to another story here in the Oakland A's. We know, first of all, that their season has been absolutely horrific. One of the worst offenses in the game. Only the Guardians are, are scoring fewer runs per game than the Oakland Athletics, which is certainly uh, not good news for the Cleveland Guardians because we expected that offense to be a lot better. The starting pitching has been pretty horrific. Their starting rotations, Billy, is 2-27 and 27 with a 7.25 ERA. I have the honor of being a part of the rotation that had the worst ERA in Major League Baseball history when I made eight starts for the 1996 Detroit Tigers. We had a 6.64 
ERA. 7.25 right now is where the Oakland A's are a couple months into the season. They have a chance to be the worst rotation uh, in baseball history if things continue the way that they are uh, right now. There's a couple of bright spots, but obviously not going particularly well for them. So they're off to an historically terrible start. Uh, one of the worst that we have ever seen. We'll see how far we get here. I don't know. I don't know what point we stop the the start. They say hey, this is the worst start in baseball. Like, can you say that 80 games into the season? Or at that point, is it just like, hey, that's the worst half of baseball we've ever seen? Is 50 games enough to say this is the worst start? I don't know, but they pretty much have that uh, under wraps right now to go along with all the Vegas stuff. But real quick on the field, um, it's been pretty brutal in Oakland, and fans know that. And not a lot of people paying attention to what's going on there. I will say this. They cleaned up the uh, visiting TV booth kind of nicely. It looks a lot better than it used to. A little bit Oh, better. they finally got rid of the opossum? That's not confirmed, but they did a good job at least of uh, making it difficult for the opossums to get there. Um, by the way, I can't get it. And I know you're right, but I can't get anybody else to say opossum. And you know how much I hate that word because that just doesn't flow off the, the tongue <laughs> for me, off the lips. But when we're there, they also refer to them as possums. And I'm like, yeah, I, yeah, I didn't want to do it. That, I should have Australia, done it in your name, but I didn't do it. It's an Australian thing. Opossums are North American. So they, they go from North America all the way down into uh, uh, into Central America. So, yeah, I mean, just get your your, your animals and mammals. Uh, actually, they're not ma- mammals. They're marsupials because they have little pouches. So whatever. Um, I, I think in the case of Oakland, the 10 and 41 record is unsightly. Mm-hmm. Um it's bad practice. It makes it so, you know, like there's some competitive integrity that frustrates me because teams that get to play Oakland, you know, you're padding stats here. You're it's just, and with the balance, with the balance schedule, at least everybody gets their, their licks at it. Hmm. Uh, I, I would, I don't know how I would feel to be in that clubhouse. I'm happy to be a big leaguer. I don't know what it would feel like to be part of the coaching staff. It just doesn't, it, it's, I, I don't know. I just have, I have a dilemma with it, a mental block on how I should react to this team because it, in a way I feel bad, Yeah. but in another way, it's, it's the damn big leagues, dude. Like we fought tooth and nail to get to this place and I'm not discrediting anybody's career, but for what's going on over there is just, it's an embarrassment. Mm. And so I, 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 you know what I'm saying? It's like, how, if I was a fan, would I react to it? I'd, it would be an, an, an insufferable. Yeah. And then you know that they're leaving from Oakland to Vegas because now we have the official deal. There's a tentative uh, ballpark agreement, which happened two days ago with the state treasurer. So mm-hmm. they, there was some financing that needed to be tightened up. That, that deal has been tightened up. They're going to Vegas. There's yeah. no question. And beyond that, I don't know how quickly they turn around and go to the Las Vegas ballpark, the AAA I know it, uh, man. affiliate of, of the aviators, which is Oakland A's AAA affiliate. Based on this year, doesn't it feel like they're going there next year? That you and have I, to. It's I mean, it's so bad. The drummers aren't there anymore in the outfield. They kind of have made that, uh, I guess, decision collectively. So if you listen to a game, you'll still hear the the horns that I don't know how to say properly. Um was Venezuela's? Thank you. Yeah, I can't ever say it. I don't even buy sure. I don't even know why I started to try. Um, they're still there and they're still out of tune, but the drummers are gone. And so you don't have that same feel in Oakland. And I, I get it. That city and that fan base is feeling like ownership turned their back on them. It's not the first time this franchise is moving, but you're right. That tentative agreement is now in place. It's a $1.5 billion ballpark, and it was down to how much public funding uh, were they going to get 
from the state. And apparently the conversations have gone on with the governor, state treasurer, uh, Clark County officials, and now they are on their way. Do you know by any chance, as I was thinking about this, I don't follow any other sports at all, really. And I was wondering about when we found out that the Warriors were leaving, the Warriors ball, uh, old um, arena was right next to, it still is there, right next to the Oakland Coliseum. Was there this same feeling I know that obviously the Oakland A's were there a lot longer and, and baseball has, you know, it seems like baseball catches more heat for these kinds of things than other sports. Do you ever remember the same kind of feeling and the same kind of backlash? Now, when we saw the Warriors go into San Francisco, which obviously the A's can't do. And so I guess you're not completely turning your back on the fan base. You just have to go a little further now to go to a game if you're in Oakland um, to watch the Warriors. And so maybe that's it. But I just feel like there is just extra vitriol uh, being pointed toward the Oakland A's. And I get, I get a lot of the reasons why. There's a lot of attachment to this team. And, if, and maybe the, some fans feeling like the idea of trying to get a ballpark in California was not done in good faith. I don't know. Um, but does anything like that stick out to you? Does it seem like there's more in the baseball side than there was on the basketball side? And, and maybe it's those circumstances that caused it. I, I, th- I just think because, you know, Golden State went downtown closer to AT&T. Uh, and, and the Giants ballpark and for Golden State and and the San Francisco Giants, uh, it didn't feel like a big move to just move uh, within the con with within the area. It's just yeah. you know, the San Francisco 49ers. Do you know where the San Francisco 49ers play? Uh, I don't. They play in Santa Clara. I do now. <laughs> so in Santa Clara is, is not immediately next to San Francisco. It's about a 35, 40 minute drive. So, and nobody's complaining about the San Francisco 49ers. So I, I just think that that surrounding area, you know, it's, it's like if the Dodgers move to Pasadena or if the Dodgers move to, uh, you know, Dana Point, it'll still mm. be the LA Dodgers in the eyes yeah. of, of people that, that wouldn't the really. Dana be. Point Dodgers. That sounds fun. <laughs> it would be pretty cool. But I, I believe where the vitriol comes in, in Oakland's case is that ownership hadn't spent money on this roster that they've traded players that, 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 that are good players to other organizations and they never got the return in kind for it. And this year it feels like the movie major league where you have this owner trying to put together the worst roster cape possible so that she could move the team to Miami. Yeah. Uh, which is crazy how that actually did turn out. I mean, it felt uh, like it, that, right? Is that, I mean, I, I've made that comparison as well. I mean, is it fair? Or is it about finances for them? Do you think they, the last couple of years they've tried to, it's a pretty big accusation, right? That they've tried to make this roster look, I'll say as bad as they possibly can, but really haven't put their best foot forward because they're thinking long-term big picture. If we really want to make the revenues that we need to be competitive, we got to get out of here. So the answer to me is yes. Yeah, I think. And, I and, and, and here's the reason why. Oakland was a revenue sharing team, Correct. So when you are sharing revenue, you have to place that money. You have to place money uh, that is shared into uh, into the roster. Mm-hmm. And the players that they sh- that they spent their money into the roster, and, and like I, I'm not picking on them, but reality is the are, are the stats that they're putting up. Jace Peterson, Aledmus Diaz, Trevor May. Um, not one of those three players would be on a roster on another major league team right now. And so I don't know if they picked those guys specifically because they 
needed to place their finances as part of the collective bargaining agreement with revenue sharing, or if they knew that even with these players, uh, once they're on the team, that they're not going to perform to a certain level. I have no idea. That's, that's a really unfair um, kind of comment, but the results of them and, and, you know, in the case of, of both Jace Aledmus and, and Trevor, I believe they're spending $20 million for those three players combined. And I believe those three players combined are like a negative three player. Yeah. So, now, now Trevor May in his defense hasn't played much. He's been dealing with no, some anxiety issues. We, but, we had a really but you're cool right. I mean, to see him get the Trevor. one. For, yeah. To see him get that one for 10 was, was a little bit surprising. I think that's what he got, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but that's an interesting point, right? Is that did they have to spend X amount of dollars? Not that there's a salary floor. There's not. Uh, but was there a number there that they maybe needed to spend? Um, and did they, again, not maybe put their best foot forward? I don't know. It's an ugly situation. I have a lot of empathy, but I got to tell you, there's times like when I'm there and I'm looking at the situation and knowing that the Giants have not been very helpful at all as far as trying to expand boundaries and open up a little bit of their territory. And I get why you wouldn't. That's a business decision. And because of that, now the Oakland A's are making a business decision. Whether they kind of tilted the scales in their favor a little bit in the way that they operated over these last couple of years, I don't know. But if you're an owner and you're looking at your market and you're, you've are you gone through the process of trying to uh, build a stadium in Oakland and then also maybe not seeing the prospects and the upside of really making it happen, then who knows? Were they just going through the motions with the idea that they'd come out on the other end with some good excuses built in uh, to go somewhere else? Maybe. I mean, I don't doubt that Oakland fans feel that way and probably feel pretty strongly, but uh, it, it stinks, but they're there. I mean, and now it's just a matter of whether or not they start playing in that AAA ballpark as soon as next year. I think it's a possibility and I've talked about it a bunch. I don't love the idea of going there and calling games in 110 degree heat. Um, Cause when you're in Oakland, it is beautiful. The weather's beautiful. It's always nice. They got the old school sound system. It's, there's something about that vibe there. However, when you have, you know, 4,500 stands uh, fans in the stands, uh, that vibe gets lost a little bit. And certainly for Rob Manfred, he knows that that organization has got to pick it up. They need to become more viable. They need to be in a situation where they can start spending some more money. It also opens up the door to what we do uh, from expansion going forward, which is the ultimate goal, right? To get to those uh, 32 teams. So that's it for the Oakland A's. Uh, and that's it for us. We appreciate you guys listening to the Loud Outs podcast. Billy, where are you headed this Friday for your Apple game? D-Town, going to Detroit, Motor City. Oh, fun. I'll be there right behind you. I'll be there on Monday. Um, so you got the Tigers and who? The White Sox? Tigers and White Sox. Nice. All right. Well, keep an eye on any of those relievers and uh, let the Rangers know who might be available. Uh, I told you, you which like. one. You, you go Joe Kelly, and I think you're happy. <laughs> Yeah, it would be nice. It's going to be an interesting market. We've got a long way to go because there's a lot of teams uh, that certainly could use uh, the help. All right, that'll do it for us. Have a wonderful day, and thank you, as always, for listening to the Loud House Podcast. Sirius XM Podcasts.